0: There's a prophecy from Zechariah that you hear at Christmas time. I mean, at Easter time. I'm sorry. Um, when we think about Palm Sunday, we think about the Lord riding into Jerusalem shortly before He's going to be crucified on that Palm Sunday, where they're waving the palm branches. And, and it says in Matthew 21:5, this is quoted from Zechariah: "Tell ye the daughter of Sion, behold, thy King cometh unto thee, meek and lowly, sitting upon an ass and a colt, the foal of an ass." And it says that He's meek and lowly. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 11, verse 29. Well, let's just, start. let's just read verse 28. Jesus says, Come unto Me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn of Me. And He says it here, For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For My yoke is easy, and My burden is light. So the scripture from Zechariah that foretold Jesus coming his first coming when He would ride into Jerusalem on the donkey. It says, "Behold, your King cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon uh, a donkey." And then here we read where Jesus says of Himself, "Come, and, uh, come unto me, all you that are labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly." And He says, "You're going to find rest for your souls." Okay, I'm meek and lowly in heart. The Lord's word describes Jesus as being meek and lowly. The Lord Himself describes Himself as being meek. Now, I just want to give the definition of meekness real quick. We're going to talk about this today, and uh, I believe it's something that's very important and is a characteristic of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the word meekness is defined as humble, gentle, mild, humble gentle, mild. And it's the opposite of arrogance. It's the opposite of pride. It's the opposite of being haughty and high-minded. And I'll just quote this to you from Romans 12. Paul says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, speaking of the body of Christ, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. A man can think, we all can, think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. There ought to be an estimation of ourselves. Our right view of ourselves. And he says, I'm telling you by the grace given to me that every one of us should not more think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And so, this meekness and gentleness and lowliness of mind that the Lord has it is um, the opposite of that. Okay? It would be the opposite of that. This meekness is a characteristic or an attribute of God. It is a attribute of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It was prophesied. He would come meek and lowly. He came and He says, learn of me. I'm meek and lowly. He wants us to get it. He wants us to hear. He wants us to know Him. Okay? And to walk with Him. So it is a characteristic of the Lord, and it is also a fruit of His Spirit. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And it is the fruit of Spirit with a capital S. Not man's Spirit. Man's Spirit does not produce true, me- true meekness. It is a characteristic or it's a fruit produced by the Holy Spirit in the life of a saved man or woman or young person. In the life of a believer. Okay? it's uh, This meekness and humbleness and humility is of God and it's godly. It's of God and it's godly. And... Solomon says, Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. Surely he scorns the scorners. The Lord's not impressed by the arrogant. He's not impressed by the the mockers and the loud and the ridiculers and those that make fun of others and boast on themselves and everything. He he scorns them. But he gives grace to the lowly. Okay? So this would be something we desire. This this lowliness and meekness and humility um, is something that's... Like I said, it's of God and it's godly. Now, what I want to talk about today, for the most point, is this one. Most part is this one thought, and that is this: that meekness, as described biblical meekness that we're talking about, true godly humility, is not weakness. Okay. So if we if we close today, and that's all I said, that is really what I want the Lord would have us to get a hold of: <clears throat> that meekness, true Christian humility, and meekness is not. Weakness—it's not a frailty. Uh, meekness and, and godly humility are not weaknesses, but they're actually great strength. Their attributes are characteristics in a person's life of great strength. And again, it's produced only by the indwelling of the Lord in the life of a believer. And it's 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 uncommon. Unfortunately, true humility and meekness is is something that's very uncommon in our day. And I would say in our day that we live where we see such arrogance and promotion of self. And we'll get to to that a little bit more lately, but it's uh, uncommon. And our Lord is meek and He chose to be meek. In other words, He is meek. It's an attribute of the Lord. It's part of His very nature, okay? Meekness and loneliness. But at the same time, He chose to be meek. And when He came to this earth as a man and robed Himself in a fleshly body and the way He interacted with people and was gracious to people and kind to people and served people and He didn't come to be ministered unto at His first coming but to minister and to give His life a ransom for all, the Bible says. And so He, he is meek and it was consistent with His character but He behaved Himself meekly and acted meekly and, and, and humble as well. He chose to do that. I just want to read this passage real quickly. Even when our Lord was rebuking somebody, He was still meek. Even at times when He raised His voice and got loud. okay, There was times He was quiet. There was times He was loud. There were times He's having to rebuke sin and deal with sin. Say like in, in a, a sinner's life or with the Pharisees and call them whitewashed sepulchers. You're full of dead men's bones inside and you're hypocrites. He's still being meek. It's still a meekness because it's in His nature. It's in His character. I just want to read this this, uh, Scripture real quickly. Jesus said, Woe to thee, Chorazin. These are cities. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which had been done in Tyre and Sidon which have been done in you... They, would, they had a great while ago repented sitting in sackcloth and ashes, but it should be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And now Capernaum, which are exalted, shall be thrust down to hell. And even when he's pronouncing a judgment like this and a rebuke because of their unbelief in these cities, he went from city to city doing great miracles, they still didn't believe in Jesus. He said, look, there's some old cities that I destroyed way back in the Old Testament. If I'd have gone to their cities and done the miracles I've done here, and cleansed the lepers, and made the blind to see, and, and multiplied the fish and loaves, they would have believed. They would repent repented. He was rebuking these contemporary cities and saying, if if you know you should have believed, because if I'd have done what you've been privileged to see all these things and still not believe, even in when he's doing something like that, which he did, he's still being meek. He's still being consistent with his character and his nature. Okay, And uh, the way he, he walked among men was in humility. The way He walked among men was not tooting His own horn, so to speak. You know what I'm talking about? People that go through life tooting their own horn. And we all have been guilty of it at times. And we're, we're, we're self-promoters. And <clears throat> the Lord didn't do that. The, the, his Father testified of Him. The Holy Spirit testified of Him. Uh, the miracles, he said, and the works that I've done testify of me. The fulfilled prophecies that were spoken about my life in the Old Testament and everything, John the Baptist, they all testified of me. And there was times he would testify of, of himself, but, uh, but he didn't go around just promoting himself. Even as the son of God, he didn't do that. He let God's Word speak for him. He let the Holy Spirit lift him up. He let the Father exalt him. He let the miracles which he was empowered to do as God testify of him. Y'all turn with me in your Bibles. I want to read a passage from Matthew 26.51. 26.51. And we're talking about the fact that not only was he meek and humble, but he chose to be that way. He chose when he could have had another choice of how he interacted with people. Matthew twenty-six fifty one. And behold, one of them, this is Jesus in the garden when he's arrested. Behold one of them which were with Jesus, as we find out in another gospel, it's Peter, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the of the high priest and smote off his ear. So he wants to grab his sword and defend the Lord. Okay, grabs his sword, cuts off an ear of the one that's coming to arrest uh, Jesus. Then said Jesus unto him, put again the sword, thy sword into his place, for all that take the sword, shall perish with the sword. And this is what I want us to see. Thinkest thou not that I cannot, cannot now pray to my Father, and He shall presently give me more than twelve legions. A legion is a hundred. Twelve legions of angels. But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? He was humble. He was lowly. He was lowlier than probably what we we might have thought He should be. Okay? He had a plan. He had a purpose that He was submitted to the will of His Father. And so even in the garden when He's being arrested by, you have to say, and I'm not making fun of all of us compared to the Lord, being arrested by weak men. Okay? Or just human beings. And He says, don't you think I could in a moment just say the Word and get out of this predicament and this situation? Uh, in one of the other Gospels, they come into the garden. It's recorded in one of the other Gospels this same scene that they come to arrest Jesus. And He says, Whom do you seek? And they say, We're seeking Jesus. And He said, I'm He. Just for Him saying, and that's the name of God, I am. I believe it. And that's what He's saying. I'm He. And when He said that, they all those that came to arrest Him fell down flat on their backs. I mean, just... Don't you think he could get himself out of this had he wanted to? But he was meek and lowly, and he chose to be. It was a choice, a conscious choice. That's who he is in a nature, but he also chose to be that way when any moment some kind of other attitude could have taken over. He was consistent with that through his life. It was a choice. He chose to be gentle. He chose to be lowly. And even in the face of in the face of sinful men, even in the face of opposition, where there 's that within a man that wants to defend himself, even verbally, I want to set the record straight. Let me tell you what 's going on here, even in a, and there are times God would have us to do that. There are times you have to know it 's from the Lord, and even in doing that, we can be humble there 's a way to do that, controlled by the Holy Ghost, when even that can be humble, but this was actually. Uh, not a, this spirit of meekness, as I said, is not was not at all a spirit of weakness. It was actually an attitude or, or an action of incredible strength, incredible strength and restraint. Say even that in the garden, okay, to submit. He knew what was lying ahead of him. It was going to be horrible. Really, he's from that moment where he's sweating drops of blood, and then he's not going to sleep that whole night. We know the whole story. He's thrown back and forth between Herod and Pilate and, and he's beaten and he's in prison and he's crowned the thorns and he's stripped of his clothes and he's beaten the Bible says beyond the recognition of a man. This wasn't just some punishment beating. It was something ungodly. It was it was uh, it was horrible. And he's being spat upon. He's being mocked. They're literally, and these guys that have had beards, he's having his beard ripped from his face. He knew all this was lying ahead, and he's thirsty on the cross. And He's being mocked and ridiculed. And then not to mention the pain of the nails and all that and the cross and all of those things. And then having the sins of the world laid upon a sinless lamb who had never sinned. And this isn't an Easter sermon, but the point is, when He was yielding to that arrest, He knew what was about to take place all the way through. So I'm saying it's not a weakness. It was an incredible strength to be meek and lowly um, and humble in his dealings with people. And, and it, kind of, it overlaps with, with other characteristics like love and patience. They're all kind of working together. But to me, it's, it's, it's an example of God's. I'm going to use God's love as an example as well when I'm talking about not being a meekness. God's love, God is love, the Bible says, and he chooses to love sinful men. He chooses to love people that are opposed to him. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He committed his love towards us. And ignorant men and blaspheming men. He chose chooses to love. And the Bible says that God's love constrains the believer to bring this gospel to other people. Alright? It's the love of God. But the love of God is not a weakness, it's not a deficiency. His his humility, for example, and his love is not a weakness where somebody says, you know. Those Christians, for example, they're so kind, we can really take advantage of them. They'll never stand up for themselves. They'll blah blah blah. But it's really not a weakness. It's a strength that they the lost world doesn't have. They don't understand it. Okay? It's foreign to them. And the one that introduces that to men is Christ. I'm meek and lowly in heart. Learn of me. Learn of me. Okay? So it's love. In his his meekness and humility is actually a great strength. Um, It's not to something that like a chink in your armor. You heard that saying before, like a weakness. So I, I can find out this guy's pretty tough, but I found a place that's really weak. I can get in there and attack his life. The love of God is not a weakness. It's not a weakness or deficiency. All right, it is it is a great strength, and so God chose to be this way. And the Bible says that, that this is the same thing that God desires from our lives. this meekness, this lowliness of mind, this humility, in God's eyes is of great price. He desires that to be in our lives. Now the fruit of the spirit is we all know the scripture, Galatians five: love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. It, it, is, it is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Fruit means it's a product. It's something produced by the Lord. And in those fruits that are listed, it's one fruit um, and with nine parts to it. starts out with love. And I think they would all flow out of love. But the truth is, it's more than just love. It w- it's the whole thing. And we see gentleness. Well, that was, a, that was one of the fruits, right? Meekness. And that's the definition of meekness. It's gentle, lowly. Humble. It's important to the Lord, and God desires that to be in us. He desires to produce that in our lives. And think about this: that no, He chose to be humble. Nobody humbled Him. Okay, you know, something in a competition or whatever, sports or a war or anything, a debate. Somebody humbles somebody else, so to speak. There, they walk away with the trophy. And they left their enemy in the dust over here somewhere in second place. And that's what we're conditioned to do. And in sports and all, that's fine. all right. But um, nobody humbled the Lord. He chose to humble himself. And I know I keep saying that, but I think it's very important. Nobody humbled him. Nobody bested him. Nobody triumphed over him and put him in his place, so to speak. and, And made him submit and act humble and meek. He chose to do this and it's a great strength. The Bible says He made Himself. Don't ever forget this. Philippians 2. One of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. He made Himself of no reputation and took upon Himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. And so we say that How many people would take themselves and make themselves of no reputation when you really are something? If anybody was ever something, the Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh was something. And to choose to make yourself of no reputation, to choose to humble yourself, um, that's an amazing thing. And it, it, like I said, it's found in the Lord. You're not going to search through the world and find true humility and meekness. you find a false humility and meekness, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But true, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's godly and it's of God. It shouldn't be foreign and strange and rare among the people of God and in the house of God. It shouldn't be strange or foreign in my own life. But he chose this life. He willingly laid down His life uh, in obedience to His Father's will to fulfill... God's plan of redemption. And, and so it was all part of it. It was all part of the plan to redeem sinful man. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. Now think about this as we stand before Pontius Pilate. Pilate says, don't you know i have authority to, to release you if I want to or kill you? So here's Pilate who's a governor of a province in, in the area, in Jerusalem, okay, in the Roman Empire. And Pilate's the man in this territory. And Paul says, don't you know, Jesus, that I have power to release You, spare Your life and let You go if I wanted to? Jesus said, you could have no power over Me if it weren't given to you of My Father. And He says, no man takes My life from Me. That means the Jews who were accusing Him. That means Pilate. That means the Roman soldiers that beat Him and nailed Him. That means the one that stuck the spear in His side. That means the the whole Roman Empire and government, all of its system and everything. No man takes my life, he says, but I lay it down. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. This commandment I have received of my Father. And so nobody humbled our Lord. It was through His sacrificial sin-atoning death that the Lord at the hands of sinful man that God redeemed sinful men. It was part of His plan. It took great strength to go to the cross. Incredible strength when any time, at any point along the line. First sign of difficulty He could have just because of who He was. God gotten Himself out. He tells us that. Don't you think that even now I could call and my Father would give me 12,000 angels. You know, 1,200 angels to come and and rescue me and, and get me out of this. And so it's not a weakness, okay? And the Lord has also given, given this by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, this meekness to be part of our nature. It's Christ's nature. Christ is in us. And it's part of His nature. It needs to be grown up. It needs to be manifest more in all of our lives. It's not, I'm not a rebuke. Rebuking you, I'm saying this is of God. This humility, I need it and desire it more in my, my life. And it's not at all a weakness. God desires it in His people. When Jesus died on the cross, He left us. We studied in First Peter an example that we should follow in His steps. One of the parts of His example is His lowliness of mind, His meekness, His humility. That's part of, of the example that the Lord's given us in. Uh, he says, Take my yoke and learn of me. You understand? And I know you've probably heard sermons on that passage before from Matthew 11 that we read earlier. But he doesn't say, Learn about me the way you would learn of a historical figure. I'm going to learn everything I can about Abraham Lincoln, you know, and where he was born and everything and his growing up and a whole bit. That's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. We need to learn about Jesus too. But what he's telling us here. And when we started in Matthew, He says, take my yoke. The yoke yokes two things, two animals, for example. In this case, it would be a man and Christ. Uh, Take my yoke and learn of me. So I'm coming under the yoke. If the Lord's already in a yoke, you've seen it, the two pieces of wood that come together over the animal's neck, there's a room for another there. There's room for you. There's room for me. And He says, I want you to take my yoke. It's mine. Not your yoke, it's mine. I want you to take my yoke, be yoked with me, and I want you to learn of me. I want you to learn me. This is the school of Jesus. This is the school of Christ. And you're learning me. And he says, And one thing I'm telling you about me in that passage, I'm meek and lowly in heart. And you're going to find rest for your souls. So there's something to that meekness and lowliness of heart, and learning of Christ and walking with Christ learning His nature and letting it be part of my nature through the working of the Holy Ghost. And there'll be rest for my soul through that. There's something I'm going to benefit greatly from that. Being like my Lord. Because can I tell you, when Jesus went through life, He wasn't stressed. Even on the cross, He wasn't stressed. Are you ever stressed? I am. You ever stressed out? You ever bothered? Uh, impatient? Aggravated? Agitated? You know, just... Yes. Depressed? Oppressed? confused, mad. And I don't think Jesus was ever any of those things. Even when He's being nailed to a cross, He was, he was who He was. And He was meek and He was lowly and He's humble and He's loved and He's forgiven and He's merciful and He's eternal and He's powerful and He's all of those things. He never acted in some way. He just was who He was. Yes. And there's a rest in that. There's a real rest in that. And just being who Christ has made you to be in Jesus. And when there's an agitation, it's something outside or something from my fleshly nature. It's not coming from the Lord and the Holy Spirit inside of me. And we have those things, but this is why He's teaching us. Take my yoke and learn of me. Now, I believe this wonderful fruit of the Spirit, that meekness that we're talking about, that God produces in the life of His people can be very misunderstood. That's why I'm saying uh, more than once, in a time where people are so concerned about self, they want that they're demanding their rights. You overlooked me. You said something nice to Peter, but you didn't say anything nice to me. I mean, even a classroom, a little kindergarten it's all the way up. It's all about we're all special, you know, and we're all this and we're all that. No, you know, we're really not. We are in the sense that God loves us and he created us and we're special to him. But he's the one that the focus needs to be on upon. And, and in this is counter. To culture today, to, to have true humility and meekness, because all it's all about self-promotion, self-esteem, self-love, self-forgiveness, mm-hmm. and you search from Genesis to Revelation, you're not going to find that. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord with all your heart. You, know, you understand? It's not love yourself. The problem is we love ourselves too much. Mm-hmm. Dave Hunt used to say, "It's not that we don't esteem ourselves too highly enough. If we really got down to the root of it, we esteem ourselves too highly." You see, he talked about people in... Dave Hunt, and I like to quote him. But he talked about guys in prison that, you know, they want to—they're uh, in prison, they want to rehabilitate. And I've I ministered in prisons for years. I'm not at all ridiculing. They need Christ. They need to be discipled in the Lord and saved and going with the Lord. But he says I never met any that had a low self-esteem. But they always want to pump up their self-esteem. You know, they—they they love themselves. Men love themselves, and it can be—it can be. Uh, Covered, it can be hidden, so to speak, in a way. But but in this era where where everybody's promoting themselves, asserting themselves, wanting to impose my strength and my force over those around me, whether it's in business, sports, money, uh, good looks, physical strength, whatever, I want to I want to impose myself and my will upon others and bring others somehow under me, even if it's just, even if it's just in a circle of friends. Where I'm the funniest, I'm the coolest, I'm the best, I make the most money. That's just in us. It's just natural in our lives. And so even those that don't have a lot maybe that they think going for them, still inwardly wish they did and, and want that and want to impose that. So this true humility it is, uh, is something that's contrary to the way the world views things. And a man in his sinful state lives his life. Okay, I'm just making that point Jesus was meek and lowly, yet there was nothing weak about him. He wasn't frail. He wasn't soft in the things, sense of someone with it soft that you could just push around with your finger. He allowed people to nail him to a cross, but he wasn't soft or frail. He wasn't weak, he wasn't ignorant, he wasn't foolish, he wasn't feeble. He wasn't a pushover. He was almighty God in the flesh. In Isaiah, we quoted him earlier, but Isaiah says, um, unto you a child is born. Speaking about Christ before He came. Unto you a son, a son is given. He says His name shall be wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. So Christ in the flesh was the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And nothing weak about Him. And, and God desires this in our lives. And, and when we see Jesus... Um, on the cross again from Isaiah, where it says, uh, "He was oppressed and he was afflicted." And just picture this scene: the whole, the whole arrest, the whole bit. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb, picture that, to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened up his, not his mouth. It's Isaiah fifty-three seven. That whole uh, chapter talks about Christ. Crucifixion basically. And so here he is as a lamb led to the slaughter. As the sheep before shears is dumb, so he opened up his knot, not his mouth. And you look at that scene in a natural, by far the ones in control are the shearers of the sheep, or the ones who are gonna slaughter the sheep if that would be the case. The people, the sheep is just the, the victim. He has no kind of defense, he's just at the will and the whim of the others, the people around him, right? But if you look at the the picture of the cross and Jesus, who was really weak in that picture? To me, it's not the Lord. When you know what you know from the Scripture, the one submitting himself and allowing this because of this overwhelming love. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Where's the strength? The real strength is the one who's letting himself be abused, And so forth, knowing what in the end the victory is going to win for those that are abusing him. That's an incredible love and strength and lowliness and meekness—not a weakness at all. And so, the Bible says there's a great blessing that comes to man for for the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Says that Matthew five five, the Sermon on the Mount. And so we are as believers, we're called to this same nature. We're called to this same uh, meekness as we saw in, in, it, as in Christ. And the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Right? And then it goes on to describe his humility. And the mind, I know we talk about it all the time, but that's a key passage, Philippians 2, 5-11, through 11, when it comes to my life and your life. Let this mind, it means his not only his mind, but the mind, when you look it up, means His will. This disposition, this nature, this mind, this will. Let this will be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay? And He desires us to be that way. And the Scripture says, um, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of great price. What is that saying, y'all? In the human being that He's saved, he wants an ornament or a decoration or a beauty to beautify our lives as believers. One of the things that beautifies your life is not the makeup or the clothes or the this or the that. He says, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God, of great price. It's great price that he, when he saw it in his son. Okay, and It's great price when he sees it in someone who's been saved by his son. Or come to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to talk about this just real quickly uh, that we're not speaking of a false humility. Now, do y'all know what I mean when I speak of a false humility? Because I want to just, you might have a better even grasp of it than I do, but I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life, I've seen it in others' lives, okay? There's hardly anything more unattractive or unchristian than a false humility. You know, pride is just pride. But when pride tries to cover itself as being humble and present itself as being humble and godly and and meek, it's ugly. It's not of the Lord. It's not a pretty or godly attribute at all. That which is very proud but pretends to be humble and is really not humble at all. False humility always still finds a way. Now, false humility finds a way to bring attention back to itself. And we've all been guilty of it, I'm sure, before. I'm not accusing you. I know that I have in my life. The focus can still come back to me even when I'm being, quote, humble uh, to myself. The Bible says that we're to give honor to whom honor is due, right? Praise to whom praise is due. Honor to whom honor is due. All of our focus needs to be on the Lord. It needs to be about Christ and not about me. But in a false humility, we can see it even among believers in the church, I'm going to try to give an example where let's say that somebody was used. Alberta's going to preach Sunday, week from today. And I'm just totally making something up. And the Lord uses him in a great way as we're expecting him to. And somebody comes and says, that, that really ministered to me, brother. I thank you for that and I appreciate that. And they mean it from their heart. Honor to him, honors to. We're not heaping flattery on him. It does no good. But there can be something genuine where it encourages him. Okay, we need to know the difference. But somebody else could come and say, Oh, that was great. I could never do that. Are you saying so well? Or that song you wrote? Or that, whatever. You're so handsome or so beautiful or you're so that I could never do that. Me, I, I could never do that. That's not humility, that's uh, self pity. And what is what that person wants, that's not humbleness. That is. Again, self-pity, and that person—what they really want from that—they want something back from you. They want some attention. They want them to put your, they want you to put your arm around them. No, really, you are the best-looking person I've ever seen. <laughs> no, really, you are—you uh, could sing way better than me. And, and that's what they wanted—somebody to, to pump them up a little bit. And yet, that's not real godly encouragement. That has to come from the Lord or some spiritual-minded person speaking on behalf of the Lord. But you understand what I'm saying? That's not really humility. That is self-pity, and it it it's desiring attention. And usually, people get it when people do that. They want that. And they know how to. They know how to work it a little bit. I guess you would say, even within the body of Christ, and they'll get their attention. They wanted attention. But really, if they're humble, they want the attention to go. Honor to him, honor, honors, dude. You see what I'm saying? Instead of saying Alberta, that was great. I could never do that. I, I could, I'm stupid. I could never preach like I can never. I'm dead, I'm ugly. I'm. Well, you're just feeling sorry for yourself, and you just wanted Alberta to come and say, No, really, you're the greatest thing ever. Just slice bread. You know, you're you're the greatest thing <laughs> ever. And so uh, we have to be careful of that. Okay, it's unchristian. And we can learn to do that kind of thing—false humility—in a quote a Christian way. God, let's let's pray that God would not allow us to do that. I'm not saying that I see it. Uh, it's just it's not, it's not real humility. I was reading this from uh, Romans 12:10, where it says, "Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honour preferring one another." To me, this is more about the humility. And I looked up "preferring." What does it mean? i just like you better than me. There's a definition to preferring. Preferring one another. He's speaking of believers. It means to lead the way for others. You're out there blazing a tree. You're out there making things better for their life. You're helping them. They're following. It's like we follow Christ. You're out there, whether it's in the church, whatever it may be, in the simplest, most menial little service that we can do to somebody. Leading the way for others. In honor of preferring one another is what it means to lead the way for others. And so we need to ask the Lord, and I'm about to bring this to a close this morning, but we need to bring, if we have that false humility in our lives, we need to bring it to the Lord and say, God, show me. I I, Thank you for convicting me of this. It's not of the Lord. It's become a habit of mine. I like the attention of people. Well, God has another way of giving attention okay in a good good way we all we all want attention i don't mean that we shouldn't but there's a right way and a wrong way in a, in a almost a natural way that would come within the body of christ without me having to do some pretense to get it and there are times we need encouragement and god will give it to us and he could give it very definitely through another Christian <clears throat> brother or sister so please don't think i'm making fun of it a godly encouragement i'm talking about the flattery and stuff that we long for and we shouldn't really long for it if we're humble. We should be content with who we are in Christ. And, and he'll, he'll build us up as, as He desires to. So we need to stop it if we're doing that. Ask God to forgive us. And then say, Lord, by Your Spirit, would You produce that true meekness, true humility, lowliness of mind, gentleness that Your Word speaks of. I want to, to have that. And my favorite description, it's not a definition, but my favorite description I ever heard of humility was by Dwight uh, D.L. Moody. And he said this, and you probably heard me say it before, but I just love it. And I was reading one of his books. He says true humility is not thinking, as he put it, now he's old-timey, 18, early 1900s, uh, true humility is not thinking meanly of ourselves. Like, Oh, I'm just the worst. And every thought about myself is negative and horrible. He says true humility is not thinking of yourself at all. And I thought, wow. Am I ever far from that? How much of my time and my thoughts do I spend thinking on me? What others think about me? How I compare to others? What they have and I don't have? What I have and they don't have? How much time do we spend thinking how this makes me feel, how this doesn't make me feel? True humility is not thinking meanly of ourselves. It's not thinking of yourself at all. I mean, that's a servant. I mean, that is amazing. That's otherworldly. That's unbelievable to not think of yourself at all like that. And I agree, it has to be produced by the Lord. Just looking at that description that Moody gives, that would have to be of God. But it is of the Lord. And He's able to do that in our lives. To me, it comes down to this. It comes down to... By revelation knowledge of the Lord and by the working of the Lord in our lives. Revelation is show me what I need to know. Number one, about myself. God shows me I'm not all that. I'm not all that. The world does not revolve around me, nor should it revolve around me. The world revolves around Jesus Christ, the Son, the Lord of glory and it should revolve around Him. And I'm just glad to be part of His family, part of His kingdom, to know Him. He gives me fullness of joy. It doesn't have to revolve around me. And if I try to make it revolve around me, I'm going to be miserable. Master of my own little dominion over here, but miserable. Because true joy comes from the Lord. Okay? And so, this humility is going to first come when I realize it's not all about me. It's all about God. And I want to see myself rightly, and I want to see this loving... Kind, powerful, mighty God rightly as well. Yeah. And seeing those things put me in my place, not humbling me in the sense that ground of me under his heel, humbling me in the self to put me seeing the right order where he is and where I am, who he is, who I am, who I'm not, what I'm not. And it will change my attitude. And It's a growth. It's a maturity where the Lord's working in us. And, and uh, just listen to this. Likewise, you younger, First Peter 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. This is Christians. And be clothed with humility. I'm about to close. Clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that He might exalt you in due time. Now, that's a wonderful Scripture, isn't it? All of you be clothed in humility within the body of Christ. All of you. Let it be a robe. You've got the robe of righteousness of Christ. Be robed and clothed in humility. Alright? True humility, not the false one. And be in subjection one to another. And as we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, He will do something for us. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Do you want to lift yourself up? and then just crumble and fall because it was a false platform that you were built upon? Or do you want to humble yourself before God and have Him, the Almighty God, lift you up on His hands and put you where He wants you to be? What's a better one to be? Humble yourself before the Lord. Let Him put you up when He's ready. You might have been ready 30 years ago, but He's ready tomorrow. He's not. You know what I'm saying? You humble yourself and He'll lift you and put you up before God and man. He'll, you'll be what you're supposed to be. You'll get the honor and so forth. And so, um, this, God's way up is first down. And you understand that. Jesus Christ humbled Himself, became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted Him. Specifically because of the humility, God has highly exalted Him. It's an example. We're never going to be God but but, in, but that example is there that we humble ourselves and He lifts us up. His way up is first on our part down. Down in humility. Down before the Lord uh, in recognition of who we are as sinful men and who He is as God. And uh, just listen to this Scripture. Samuel. When, when Saul came to Samuel... And I'm closing. When Saul came to Samuel... Samuel came to Saul because Saul had failed to obey the Lord completely in the issue with the Amalekites. We know the story. And Samuel said to King Saul, When you were little, when thou wast little in thine own sight, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. Because listen what happened. When you were little, Saul, he's a big man, taller than everybody else in the whole kingdom of Israel. When you were little in your own sight, wast thou not made head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. When you were little, Saul, in your own sight and esteemed yourself very lowly, and when they wanted to take Saul and made him king, the Bible says he was hiding behind, quote, the stuff. He was hiding out behind some luggage or something. And they said, no, he's back there behind all that stuff. Get him and make him our king. When he humbled himself and was little in his own eyes, God made him king and anointed him to be king. He prophesied as a young man when He was first king, when He got lifted up in Himself, He had to be taken down. Okay? And contrast that with someone like Moses who the Bible says, now now the Lord speaks this of Moses. It's pretty amazing when God says it of you. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Wow. God used Moses in incredible ways. And He said, this man Moses, you just don't know. He was meek the most meek man on the earth. And maybe that's why God could use him because of, of that meekness. And so we see it in David's life where he says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him. You know, you've made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory. And then he speaks about this covenant that God made with David. And he says, Lord, who, who am I? That you can make this? Uh, that the Lord of all the earth would make this covenant with me and my family forever. God made an eternal covenant with David that someone from his line, thats it's Christ, that it has to be Jesus, came to that line, would sit on the throne forever, the throne of David forever. And he makes his covenant with David while he's living, and way back then, and David's like blown away by it. He doesn't say, That's right, I am the, the guy. You did right, God, to make a covenant with me. You've made, you made a right choice, God, a wise choice. He says, Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would choose to do this? Humble yourself. In the sight of the Lord, and He'll lift you up. Paul, not at the beginning of his saved life, but at the end of his saved life, says, "Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners." "Of whom I am chief," you know, "I lived the way in sinners. He came to save me." But there was a humility there; it's not at all uh, an arrogance, but a true humility that the Lord gives. And then let me read uh, just a couple more scriptures from from Philippians. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others." Now that's not a false humility. That's not one that says, Sherry, I really esteem you better than myself. It's not saying it. It's a life and really believing it in my heart and the way I would interact with her or all of y'all or with my children or with my spouse or with lost people or whoever. To, to, here he's specifically speaking about within the body of Christ, but it's a true work of God that is real. And I have to go around saying, I'm humble, I'm humble, I'm humble. Look how humble I am. You know, It's a true work of God that is what it is. And it's a wonderful thing. And it's a change of, in our hearts and lives and it's something only God can do. Only the Lord can do it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this scripture. It says that Jesus said that I am the vine you are the branches. He that abideth Me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For apart from Me, you can do nothing. So we need this humility in our lives. It's going to come through the uh, uh, first salvation in the working of God in our lives. Okay? He says, apart from Me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in Me and My words, it's important to know God's Word. Not only to know it in our heads, but to hide it in our hearts and to live in it day by day and practice it and walk in it meditate on it because this is how this is developed. If a man abides in Me and My words abide in him, he says he's going to ask what he will and it shall be done unto him. And that our life is going to bear much fruit. And God desires that in our lives. And you can come. But there's a wonderful Scripture, y'all. It says, the Lord upholds, Psalm 145.14. David says, the Lord upholds all that fall and raises up all those that be bowed down. The Lord upholds all those that fall and He raises up all that are bowed down. If you want to bow before the Lord this morning and meet with them and say, God, forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for thinking the world revolves around me or part of the world does because none of it does. Forgive me, Lord, for my false humility where when I'm around Christians, I want to act very humble so they'll think I'm very Christian and humble when really there was another motive in my heart that wasn't pure. And I want You to forgive me of that. And Lord, I need this true humility. I can't seem to get it. He, he, you going to have to yield to the Lord and let God work it in our lives. Okay? And He can. He's the only one who can. But He, he, he upholds all that fall and raises up all that be bowed down. And so, Father, we just come before you this morning. And God, when we look, and you the first scripture we read, where you said, Take my yoke and learn of me, I am meek, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you're going to find rest for your souls. Lord, I pray that we would we would learn of you, Christ. We would yoke ourselves to you by faith, and and you would teach us yourself by the Holy Ghost, by daily walk and communion and fellowship and relationship with You day by day, in prayer, in obedience, in walking with You, Lord. Communion with You. Meditating on You. We would learn this school of Christ. And You said in Your Word that we've been blessed to be partaker of Your divine nature. That's the key. We need it. It's not an exterior thing where we act humble. It's a change of heart and mind where we are humble. And it's a real humility. It's of God humility. And God, I pray that You would work that in our lives individually. Work it in my life, God. Lord, we can learn to cover our pride so well and and make it look so humble when it's not. But Lord, we're asking this morning that You deal with our hearts and really make us that. You said, blessed are the meek. is the kingdom of heaven. They're going to inherit the kingdom of God and the earth. And Lord, we love You. We thank You, Lord. Just call upon the Lord. Talk to Him this morning. Before we leave, take some time to meet with the Lord. Ask Him to do this work in our lives. While you're praying, I just want to read this. I was talking about David and the covenant God made with him. I thought it would be appropriate to read while we're praying. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord after God promised him this covenant. And he said, Who am I, O Lord? And what is my house that Thou hast brought me hitherto? For Thy word's sake and according to Thine own heart hast Thou done all these great things to make Thy servant know them. Wherefore, Thou art great, O Lord God. there is none like Thee, neither is there any God beside Thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears, And let thy name be magnified forever. Saying, the Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. That to me is humility. Lord, let your name be magnified. Who am I that you even took the time to think of me? And yet you blessed me so incredibly. Lord, let it return to your glory. You be magnified just take this time to thank the Lord and call upon the Lord in Jesus' name. Thank you.